Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Our focus today will be on finding a church and what a healthy, good place of worship looks like and what you should expect from the leadership, as in the senior pastor and other pastors in the church and the elders. So what does a good and healthy place of worship look like? One that is entirely centered on God's Word in every aspect. And that needs to look like the following. Teaching God's Word without opinion or interpretation. Holding to the inerrant truths of the Word. Singing God's Word. Worshiping God with honor, humility, and reverence. Regular participation in communion or the Lord's Supper. Participation in baptism. A dedication and mission to humbly and respectfully spread God's Word. Regularly challenging the church, the body of believers, to grow in their relationship with the Lord. Leadership that does not take their cues from society, but strictly from God's Word. And leadership that is unashamed and unafraid to maintain godly order in worship and in their private lives. Leadership that is not obsessed on attendance numbers, membership, programs, groups, clubs, and getting bigger but is devoted to your spiritual growth in your relationship with Jesus Christ and helping those in true need. Leadership that is focused on God-honoring stewardship of all resources and recognizing that all resources, no matter how small, are a gift and loan from God. Leadership that relies on God's provision in all things. Leadership that is interested in how you need to grow and teaches the Word of God accordingly. Leadership that is preemptive and passionate in all areas of shepherding. Leadership that is completely transparent and open, freely willing to admit faults and failings, both in their personal lives and in the body of the church. Leadership that is unassuming. Leadership that is not bound up in the numerous aspects of theology, attempting to figure God out, but boldly teaching the straightforward truth set forth in God's Word and backed with life application. Leadership that is hospitable, not holy. Leadership that is focused on growing lives rather than growing in prominence. And finally, elders that are not in a role of power and decision-making, rather are in a role of teaching, encouraging, and loving the community at large and the community of believers in faith, in addition to supporting the role of the senior pastor as specified in God's Word. And this is a short, but I believe fairly comprehensive list of the many areas in which our places of worship can and do regularly fall short. As I have been mentioning over the past several weeks, I am looking at the request and support of others to launch a physical location of worship in the Phoenix, Arizona area in 2024, should God use me for that purpose. And this list is so impactful as it underscores the very things we must do and the things we must not do should a church body come together. In fact, everything on the list are the very things that we need to be very careful to focus on and focus on constantly, all while remaining in God's face, in prayer, and always asking for His wisdom if we have a chance of succeeding. God has given every body of believers, every church, the perfect blueprint in His Word on exactly how to worship. God has spelled out what every role in a house of worship should look like, and so there is no legitimate excuse not to follow those guidelines. We read over and over again in Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians, where God used Paul to challenge each of those churches on what they were doing right and wrong, and what they needed to focus on, and the ramifications if they did not abide by God's rules. 
It has been made very clear that when the church does not follow God's order and design of worship, at the very least, it will be ineffective and stagnant, or it will altogether completely crumble. So is it our obligation, your obligation, to know what a place of worship believes and what a place of worship stands for? God will not give us a pass just because we thought the teaching sounded okay and that we trusted what we were being taught because the teacher seemed good and looked the part. God did not call a church, leadership, and congregants to look the part. Rather, he called the church to live the part and only through what God calls us to do. Could it be the more we attempt to look holy and sound holy, the more we are very likely covering up a core of fraudulent reality? Let's take a look at some very direct teaching from Jesus on all of this. And we'll start in Matthew 23, 25 through 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and selfish indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Let's move on to Matthew 7, 15 through 23. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Moving on to our next passage of 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Moving on to another passage, 2 Peter 2.1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And one more, 2 Peter 1.20. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. To me, these words are very sobering, very direct, as to what the believer is to look out for when they sit under someone who professes to be a teacher of God's Word and who we are all to be when presenting God's Word. Again, just because the building has a cross on it and has a name like Christian Church or Bible Church or whatever other denomination or name that is associated with a place of worship does not mean it is in line with all of God's Word. So how do we find out what a place of worship is all about? Interview the senior pastor, and if you end up attending a service, ask other congregants questions about their experience. People love to talk about what is right and certainly what is wrong, and between the two sides, you will likely be able to get a pretty good read on everything. And just what is important to find out and know as to whether or not you will be under the leadership of a good pastor? Here are a few questions to consider asking the senior pastor. 
What is your understanding of God's Word? Next, where do you stand on all the major doctrinal topics, such as salvation, marriage, abortion, communion, baptism, prayer, corporal punishment? Why did you become a pastor, and have you had any other form of employment in your adult years to gain real-world experience outside of the church? What does missions and community outreach look like to you? How do you view membership and what is required as a member? Who runs the church? Is it elder-run or elder-led? And is it pastor-led or pastor-run? And is it really functioning well as it is being run? Ask about the budget of the church and ask how much of the budget goes to salaries and other things and how much goes to the real work of getting God's Word out. Yes, ask to see the budget. It should be no secret at all, and if you get hesitancy from anyone on being open about the budget, that should raise a red flag for you. And find out why they gravitate toward the music they subscribe to and why the services are structured the way they are. And after all or most of these questions have been answered, you should have a pretty good idea of where the leadership stands on what is important in the eyes of God or what is important in the eyes of leadership. And as I mentioned earlier, everything should be focused on God. God should be first and central in all aspects of the answers you get from the questions. In addition, listen for the pastor to make it abundantly clear that you are not to trust his words, but that you must always test everything he says against God's word. Remember, a pastor is not the authority of God's word. God is the authority of God's word. While the pastor and teachers of the Word are to do their best with God's Word and help present the Word in fullness and in truth for the growth of the body through Jesus. Also, make sure you get a good sense that this particular place of worship does not own you, that should you wish to leave, you are more than welcome to do so, and that your leaving will be free from leadership fallout on you. In addition, make sure leadership does not believe if you are not being taught under the banner of their particular church, You are not in the proper place with God and couldn't possibly find a better place of worship. I mention this because entirely too many pastors and leaders of the church get particularly offended, better yet, get their feelings hurt when someone leaves because they do not agree with whatever is transpiring. And this, in my opinion, leaves a very foul taste in many congregants' mouths and only acts as a deterrent to ever want to be a part of a particular body of believers in worship in the future. Where you worship is between you and God and no one else. However, if you have a grievance with leadership or the church as a whole, should you humbly and lovingly go to the leadership to discuss it? And the answer is yes. We are to communicate with our fellow brothers and sisters when we have or perceive to have an issue with them. And at no point should leadership ever be hurt by what others decide to do or think, but in reality, listening very carefully to what is being said and examining the possibilities and the realities and truth that may have created the discussion in the first place. Now, all that being said, before you make phone calls and ask to meet with a senior pastor to interview him, make sure you first check out your prospective place of worship's website and see if they, by chance, already have many or all of these questions answered for you, and then make a decision as to whether or not you wish to attend a service. And if you don't like the answers you are getting, you are more than likely looking at a place of worship you should not attend. And if you don't like something that a prospective place of worship is doing or not doing and leadership indicates that it is a non-negotiable and that bothers you, don't forget you once again have the freedom to walk away with no further discussion needed. 
As we discussed in the message, Traditions of the Church, don't make the building, the music, the lighting, or the seats persuade you to be or not to be a part of that place of worship. What matters most is that you are sure you are seeking where God needs you to be, how He needs you to grow, your relationship with Him, and not what makes you feel good. Make sure leadership is challenging you in God's Word, and make sure it is always on a deeper level. Inasmuch, don't just be satisfied with how you are being fed and how you are encouraged to grow. If you need more, then ask for it. Don't be afraid to make suggestions to leadership. And if a place of worship and its leaders are sincere and taking God, God's Word, and the growth of the people seriously, leadership will welcome insight from everyone so that they too may remain students of challenge in growing for the Lord and helping others to grow constantly with them. One closing thought as we wrap up this three-part topic. Do not be afraid to be open, real, and honest with church leadership. Again, be mature, humble, and willing to possibly walk away not agreeing. But don't ever put your church leaders on a pedestal of any kind. Don't ever feel as though they are somehow the untouchables and that they are so much higher up the heavenly ladder than you are, because that is simply not the case. Church is a we, not a them and us situation. Pastors need to be challenged. They need to be real. They need to be held accountable, and they need to welcome all of these things. Too often, unfortunately, pastors play the victim of how hard they have it. I have heard with my own ears and sat under such pastors who bellyache about how much work they have to do and how draining ministry is and that the job of a minister is so much harder than any other job on the planet. And when statements like that are made by a shepherd, a pastor, a leader of a church, several conclusions can be drawn. Either they are stating that their time with God is wearing them out, or the church, the people, are wearing them out, or perhaps they are attempting to seek approval and admiration from everyone to promote their position. Nowhere can I find in Scripture that any of these complaints or excuses are scriptural. After all, every pastor knows what they are getting into. Every pastor knows what is required of them in this role. They know they are going to be faced with births, deaths, weddings, counseling, anger, joy, hate, love, finances, and preparing sermons, and preaching those prepared sermons, and perhaps doing it multiple times every Sunday, along with working with the community, working with staff, along with hiring and firing, and the list goes on. But none of this should come as a surprise to one single pastor who touts their seminary degree or degrees. After all, they chose the job. Oops, did I say that? They chose the job? Yes, I did. Because everyone who goes into pastoral ministry or seminary chooses to do that on their own. Yes, I certainly agree God prompts us to think about serving Him in various ways, and one of them is in the role of pastor. But that is still not a guarantee that it is actually God doing the prompting. As we know, we are very good at prompting ourselves in and out of many things, and it had nothing to do with God at any point. In my opinion, if you are truly called by God into ministry, you will welcome and thrive on what ministry entails. After all, God promised to everyone, pastors included, trials and tribulations and hatred and attacks from Satan that will give you a beating are part of life. That's just the life of a believer in any situation, in any profession, and especially those who are enthusiastically aspiring to live their life to honor God. So if you are truly called, you would truly and regularly welcome what the job comes with and you would make it known that you are in the position of pastor to take the licking 
and keep on ticking. James 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. My goodness, listen to all that. James, a servant of God, a minister, a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, is telling everyone, not just those sitting under the authority of a pastor, but pastors themselves will meet trials, will be tested, and need to go through all of these trials to completion in their life if they ever hope to mature. This is good for us, very good for us, and I believe even better for pastors and those in church leadership to go through, since after all, they are the very ones who are supposed to model what living in Christ looks like. If they don't go through the trials, how are they supposed to model working through them with the flock? Dropping back for a moment, and for anyone who is unfamiliar with the phrase I used, pastors need to, quote, take a licking and keep on ticking, was a past slogan from Timex Watches. It takes a licking and keeps on ticking. And that slogan fits perfectly as an analogy into the reality of how each of us, pastors included, are to keep going. Timex said they made their watches to withstand abuse and still keep time. And that, I believe, is exactly how God designed each of us, and especially those who presume to become teachers of God's Word. God invested in each teacher He truly called to teach and has given them a spirit of power, love, and self-control to roll well with all sorts of trials, tribulations, griping, backstabbing, and all that comes with the people they shepherd. And why am I emphasizing all that I am about pastors? Because they are the face of the earthly church, the place of worship, and often the ones who make many major decisions that affect the entirety of the body, for better or for worse. And you need to know your pastor and know for sure that he was truly called to be a shepherd of God's church and is actively interested and invested in you and your walk with God. And for those of you who are still struggling over the fact that I said you choose to be a pastor, let's take a look at what God has to say about the job of pastors and the choices we should or should not make with regard to taking on the role of a shepherd. And James 3, and I will be reading from Eugene Peterson's The Message. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. This is great. This certainly sounds like a decision I get to make as it pertains to becoming a teacher. In fact, it sounds like even if you have some feeling that it is the right thing to do, that you still need to be very, very, very careful in taking on that role. And perhaps it would be better not to ever go into the shepherding role, even if you feel it would be good or that you were perhaps called by God. This sounds like we are to really double check everything forward and backward before we potentially get into teaching and being held to very strict standards. And since pastors are going to be held to the strictest standards, there is our proof that pastors are going to take a licking and must keep on ticking right along with what God demands of the position. Being held to very strict standards alone will qualify us fully for more turmoil and more testing. And in all of our passages so far, 
God's word continues to indicate that pastors are not given some divine freedom from dealing with the world and its plethora of problems and having to rest any more often or for longer periods of time than any other person on the planet doing any other job. After all, God says six days you will labor and the seventh you will rest. God clearly states that pastors and elders must tend the flock, keep the flock healthy, walk with the flock, the sheep, the congregation, through the valley of the shadow of death, no less. And when a pastor is doing his job and leading under the rough circumstances, willingly, the flock, God's church, will want to respect him, love him, listen to him, and want to serve the body with joy, and you'll never need to tell anyone how hard you have it. Let's take a look at Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. And isn't that the pastor's job? To be the most Christ-following and Christ-like leader of the entire church he can be? And since that is exactly what God calls pastors to do, the pastor certainly does not have room to return whining and moaning about how hard he has it considering we never see Jesus whining and moaning about what we put Jesus through. And after all, he, Jesus, is the head pastor, shepherd, the pastor of pastors we are to model. A good shepherd is going to care for his flock through thick and thin. He will help rescue sheep that are wayward and stupid and buying about everything. We read again clearly in God's word how much attention he pays to us, his sheep. And he only does it because he decided to take on that role and because he chose that job. And he will do it without grumbling and do it with joy. Listen, Jesus leads me to green pastures. He makes me lie down. He takes me to still waters. That's a good shepherd. My goodness, that's our leader, our shepherd Jesus. And he's perfectly demonstrating exactly what a pastor should look like finding the best place to have the sheep rest, the best place to have them drink from. And think about it. What does the shepherd ultimately get back from doing all this for some stinky sheep in return? Nothing. Sounds just like people, just like us, all of us, and exactly what a pastor should expect from the church. The rule of thumb is if you do something to get something in return, you are doing it for all the wrong reasons. And that is exactly why God instructs pastors to make sure they are in the role of shepherding for the right reason and that they are truly called by God to do this. So I think it is clear that one should not take up the role of shepherding if they are not willing to sacrifice their life for the sheep, just as our Savior Shepherd did for each one of us. How do you find a good church? You look for a good shepherd who is hooked on God's word and hooked on the church. And when you find a good shepherd, yes, remembering, he himself will still have major problems, major issues, wrestling with sin and disobedience on a regular basis, and he himself suffering from extreme stubbornness. However, you will see a relatively content group of sheep. And the sheep, too, will be struggling with issues and problems and wrestling with sin and disobedience. But the entire church will be encouraging each other, all buying in harmony together, instead of complaining all the time. As I've been mentioning over the past several weeks, we are looking to launch a place of worship in the Phoenix, Arizona area in 2024, and I would invite you to check back regularly as we prepare an introductory overview coming up in March of what we hope the Lord will allow us to do and what may come to fruition if it is His will. And if you like what you are hearing so far on Face Your Faith and you are in the Phoenix area, 
We hope you will consider being a part of this mission for the Lord as together we might join in person to celebrate all the Lord has done, is doing, and will continue to do through his church. And now let us go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious Father, we thank you for your word of truth. We thank you for giving us all the resources we need to do your work and to do it with excellence. Help us, we ask that we would be quick to come to you for encouragement and listen to all you have taught us. Help us to be obedient students of your word and strive to live out your word on a daily basis and not be consumed with our positions in life. Keep us humble servants of you, Lord, as you continue to allow the many trials and tribulations into our lives. Help us to take each trial and grow from it and thank you for it with joy and thanksgiving. Father, we ask that if it is your will that you would allow this ministry to grow still further in promoting your word to the world and here locally in Phoenix. And now we ask all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.